Good morning. Right, let's get to it, eh? <laughs> well, if you've got your Bible, you can turn to Isaiah. Isaiah 8, it's up there. Isaiah chapter 8, I'm going to just read it from verse 12 onwards. No, don't laugh at these glasses. Knees must, eh? <laughs> I'm in denial. I'll keep leaving my glasses everywhere. Okay. Okay. Let's read it. And for the Lord spoke thus to me with a strong hand and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people, saying, Do not say a conspiracy concerning all that this people call a conspiracy, nor be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. The Lord of hosts, him you shall hallow. Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. He will be as a sanctuary, but a stone of stumbling and a rock of offence to both the houses of Israel, as a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many among them shall stumble and shall fall and be broken and be snared and taken. Bind up the testimonies, seal the law among my disciples. And I will wait on the Lord, who hides his face from the house of Jacob. And I will hope in him. Here I am and the children whom the Lord has given me. We are for signs and wonders in Israel. From the Lord of hosts who dwells in the Mount Zion. And when they say to you, seek those who are mediums and wizards, who whisper and mutter, should not a people seek their God? They should seek the dead on behalf of the living. Stop there. Just a few thoughts from that. An incredible passage of scripture from Isaiah. Isaiah. Isaiah is an amazing book to read. It's called the fifth gospel. But let's just remind us of something in verse 12 and verse 3. He says, do not call everything that's a conspiracy a conspiracy. And do not dread or be frightened of what they are frightened of. Make the Lord of heaven's army holy in your life. This is another Tristan Living Translation. Here's the one you should fear. Here's the one you should make you tremble. Background to this chapter. First of all, if you go to chapter 1, verse 1, sorry. Uh, Isaiah is told to get a big scroll and to start writing on it and then get some witnesses in and witnessing what he's saying. So what was happening is that Ahaz was the king of the northern territories and he was a wicked, evil king. If you read about him, incredible. Oh, legacy is evil. And so he's making an alliance with Assyria to protect his land. Because the Assyrians were going to come and wipe everything out and plunder the land. So he makes an, alle an allegiance with them. And the southern part, Judah, start to fear it. Oh no, we're in trouble now. And so this testimony is written... Written out, and before Isaiah's children are born, certain things will happen. So God gives a promise. God wants Israel to know something. And he has a way of communicating. And today, it probably would have been a big TV screen. It would have been something on the internet, maybe. YouTube, but whatever. Well, God wants to tell Israel something. And he's putting it on a big notice board. This is going to happen. Thus and thus and thus. And then he says to the people, do not fear. 
what the world is feeling. He's, in fact, he says in verse 11, do not walk with them or go with them. Do not fear what they fear. Fear is a horrible thing, isn't it? Fear, we talked about a few weeks ago when David faced Goliath and everybody pulled back in fear. And it's infectious. Fear is something that grips us. And fear is in the mind and very often it's, it comes from doubt. And we struggle with fear. And so God is, is, is helping us and saying, do not fear like the world does. Set me apart in your heart and fear me and dread me. And we don't do that, do we? We fear what the world fears. And so this morning, maybe with God's help, we can pick a few things out. And so, yes, it was an evil time. There's a witness now to Israel. And verse 12 says, fearing conspiracies. Oh, wow. <laughs> Fake news. Isn't that bandied about at the moment? Rumors and conspiracy theories abound worldwide. My word, you've only got to pick up, you know, the internet and start listening to some of the theories that are coming out. It could be frightening. You could be caught up with it. I only watch things that relate to the Bible and that inspire me and to see what Scripture is telling me and how it fits in with Scripture. I always watch Israel. What is going on in Israel? They're the ones to watch. And so conspiracy theories are banded around and these theories cause fear in people's hearts. We start to feel like the world fears. We get confused and we get worried about it. You know, large statements are made, false statements are made, and we believe them. Today, you know, the spread of a conspiracy or a thought is banded around the world in seconds, and millions of people see it and are caught up with it instantly. News that's not quite right, and we buy into it, and we fear. False reports come, and we buy into it, and we fear. During Isaiah's time, it was the same problem. People who would spread conspiracy theories, causing great fear in God's land. But God is not having that. And God doesn't want it for the church this morning. We have got his word. We have got his promises. We've been singing about them. Now, either we sing about his promises and we believe them and we stand on them, it goes over our head and we, we just sing about it, then we focus on what this world is telling us and what it is dictating to us. And so, we are not to fear what they fear. Events will occur in this world, but it does not mean a believer should fear them. Theories are bound, but it will not bring about God's promises and what God is ordained for the world. God's in control. It's what he says will happen. They cannot press the button unless he says so. Something will happen. Something will occur and they will not be able to do it because God is in control. May I say this morning, God is in control of the church. God is in control of individual people in the church. His sheep, my sheep hear my voice and they hear me and they know me and they follow me. Amen. So he's leading you, he's guiding you, he's got his hand upon you, he's speaking to you and we hear his voice. We understand, but we've got this other stuff that comes at us that we can get caught up in. Let's fear the Lord. Let's trust him. Let me just say then, number one, do not fear. Okay, let's have a look a little bit about fear. Proverbs 29, 
Verse 25, the fear of man brings a snare. Okay? The fear of men brings a snare. The fear of the school teacher. The fear of the boss. Make that false phone call. Tell them I'm not in. Okay, yeah. Do we fear him or do we do what's right? I know that's very difficult. Do we slip a tenner in? You know, are we caught up with the world? Do we fear men? It brings a snare. We get snared by it. And down the line, there's nothing but trouble. The tax man comes after you when you'd least expect it. And you've done lots of dodgy deals because you've not feared the Lord, you've feared men. And boom, you're in trouble. Okay? So the Lord is warning us. The fear of man brings a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Now that takes faith this morning. We are safe in the Lord if we trust him. But the tendency is to believe all the rubbish that we're fed with by the telly, by internet, by YouTube, things that are coming on all over the place. Rubbish, rubbish, rubbish. We need to know God's word. We need to know true doctrine. And we need to be able to stand on it and say, that's not right. I reject it. Listen, this is a quote here I read on the internet. I like it. Faith in God will fight the fear of men. Fear to Satan is what faith is to God. Faith does God's work. Fear does Satan's work. If we are fearing, we'll do what Satan tells us. He'll speak into our lives and test us and try us and tempt us. And we'll fall for it if we do not trust in the Lord. God operates on the basis of faith, which enables believers to resist one of the devil's cheap operative tactics, which is fear. Fear causes us to draw back, as we learnt through David and the situation he faced. The whole of God's covenant people drew back from Goliath. But David ran to meet him in faith. It's totally different. Fear is where Satan works. And if we're not careful, we'll be the same. We'll pull back. Now listen, the timid Christian falls into a thousand snares. A thousand snares for the believer who does not follow what God says. A snare is a trap. It is set. And the bird unknowingly walks and gets entrapped into it, then it's too late. Snares are set. The enemy can set you a trap. He can lead you into a trap. And God uses it as an opportunity for you to exercise faith. God doesn't tempt us. He never tempts us with evil. But he allows things to happen to see what you will do. Will you exercise faith or will you allow fear to dominate you and to rule you this morning? All tests and trials are for the good. And you wonder what the heck is going on sometimes. And why am I going through this? And why am I tested? Why does this keep reoccurring? Think about it. Is God allowing this to, to let you learn to trust him? Proverbs 23, 29, 23. The fear of man brings a snare. But whoever trusteth in the Lord shall be safe. It says exalted in another version. Whoever trusts in the Lord, yes, will be safe, but also exalted. Wasn't David exalted when he took on Goliath, when all Israel 
when they realized that Goliath was slain, pushed forward and got a great victory? Wasn't it faith that elevated David? Wasn't the opportunity given to him not to destroy him, but to exalt him? Faith and situations will exalt us if we trust in the Lord. Now listen, I've got a quote from Spurgeon. Sometimes, indeed, the Lord purposely leaves his children, withdraws the divine inflowings of grace, and permits them to begin to sink in order that they may understand that faith is not their own work, but it is first the gift of God and must always be maintained and kept alive in the heart by fresh influence of the Holy Spirit. Peter was of faith so strong that at Christ's command, he tread out onto the billows and found it like glass beneath his feet. Yet even he was permitted in this thing to fall. Faith forsook him. He looked at the winds and the waves and began to sink. And the Lord said to him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? As much as to say to Peter, thy great faith is my gift. And the greatness it is of my work. Think not that thou art the author of thine faith. So sometimes things happen to us that faith might be challenged and tried and tested. And we do sink often. The greatest people of faith doubt. Faith and fear go together, don't they? Doubt, sorry, doubt and fear go together. If we didn't have faith, we wouldn't have any doubts. <laughs> you thought about that one? Peter was exalted in greatest faith I can ever think of, of walking out onto that water. But he doubted. He had the greatest confession, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, man, flesh and blood not reveal this to you, but my father which is in heaven. He was exalted, he was praised, he was given an opportunity and he stepped out. But doubts encompassed him, he saw the winds and the waves. And so doubt is a problem, even for those in great faith. But we need to refresh faith, don't we? We need to reset it sometimes. <laughs> Have a reset. The computer gets stuck, reset it, reboot it, get it back. And sometimes that's what trials show us, where we're at. I'm not actually in faith. I'm in doubt. Then we need the reset button. And let the Holy Spirit just minister that gift that he has given us. That's from him to encourage in our hearts and lives and grow. It isn't all just a gift from God. We cultivate faith as well by hearing the word of God and exercising faith and walking in it. And that's what God wants us to do. That's what he gives us the opportunity to, by your own free will, is to make choices. First and foremost, it is a gift, but then we cultivate it and work on it and allow the Holy Spirit to infuse in us and to inflow in us when we test it. Think about it this morning. Okay. One, 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but a power and love and a sound mind, a disciplined mind. Romans 2.2 2 says, be renewed in the renewing of your mind. Okay? This is where the battleground is, friends. This is where you will battle everything, is in your mind. Okay? You can be strong one day in faith. Yes, take the world on. I'm going to do this for God. I'm going to go. And then the next day you can wake up in the morning you're a totally different person. You don't want to face the world. You don't even get out of bed. Because we look like Peter, we can be high in faith, but then down. 
So it's a disciplined mind. And the Bible says to renew it. And so if we're renewing it by reading the word, listening to God and doing the right thing, then that faith will strengthen again. Okay? We've all been there, haven't we? We've all felt the sinking feeling. <laughs> and it's just the shortest prayer in the Bible, Lord save me. And he does. But he reminds us that it's a gift from him. And that he is in control. And that all we need to do is let him renew us. As we renew our minds and our hearts in his word. You see, the world wants to conform you. <laughs> Once I saw a, uh, a marrow, you know the shape of a marrow. It was stuck in a box and they grew the marrow into the box and it came out square. So the marrow was conformed to the box. And so the world's trying to conform you to its ideologies, its conspiracies. And if we're not careful, we'll be conformed by them instead of being conformed and changed and transformed by the word of God. Because we don't read the word of God, we prefer to listen to the world. And to listen to what they are saying. And we think that they've got wisdom when it isn't. The wisdom is in God's word. And the wisdom is when we apply it. And there we'll find faith grows. That's what David did on a daily basis. He said, I fought the lion. I fought the bear. In my daily mundane work, watching the sheep. And then it all came back to him when he was facing a greater problem. So in that mundane, let God renew your mind. Discipline your mind. Discipline it. Okay? And renew it. And grow in the grace of our Lord. Peter warns us. 1 Peter 2, 5, 8, 9. Be sober. Okay? Be sober. Well, you're drunk. You're all over the place, aren't you? You can't make a decision. You can't drive a car. You can't walk straight. You're falling over things. You can't even put words together. So the Bible says, in a spiritual sense, be sober. Right? Be vigilant. Be watchful. Because your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion okay seeking whom he may devour well this is written to Christians this is written to believers this is written to you and this is written to me so be sober think what's going on here have a sober thinking be alert because the enemy your adversary is looking to see who's weak doesn't a lion, doesn't go for the pack, they separate them and they look for the one that's straddling and they take it out. And once a pack of lions have got you, have no chance. So be sober because he's looking around to see if he can devour you. Peter was devoured, wasn't he? Great as his faith, but Jesus said, look, Peter, before the crow crows three times, you, you, you'll deny me. No, I won't, I won't. Confident in himself. But the Lord Jesus said, Peter, I prayed for you. I prayed over you. I prayed under you. I prayed around you. I protected you so that your faith will fail not. So Jesus knows our hearts. So does the devil. Let's be strong. Let's be vigilant. And let's be, it says, uh, like a roaring lion, seeking him in fire, whom resist? Right? Don't argue with Satan. Don't argue with him because he knows all the arguments. He'll tie you up in knots. He's done it for thousands of years with billions of people. He knows what to say to you. He's an expert. It says resist in the faith. You can't do anything with faith, friends, this morning. If you're in doubt and in fear, yes, he can. But if you're strong in faith, the Bible says it's a shield. 
puts the fiery darts of the enemy away. Lift up faith, let doubt be gone. Knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brethren in the world. So we're all going through the same experiences in one way or another. Don't think that you're suffering more than anybody else and nobody understands what you're going through. Yes, we're all suffering something this morning, whatever it might be. It means to set oneself against. Right. We can't see Satan. We've no chance of seeing him, but his influence is all around us. He seeks you out. He's against you because you belong to Christ. And I think we just need to think about this this morning because the Bible's very clear about him. Jesus warned us about him. He's the liar. He's the father of lies. He's like a wolf. He comes to seek and to devour and to destroy. This is who he is. He lies to you. He tests you. He comes after you. And that's why we need to stay in faith and in Jesus this morning. Because he'll just break you to pieces. Somebody said he's a roaring lion with his teeth pulled out. No, he's not. He's got his teeth. And he's after you. So stand strong and resist him in the faith. What do they do with fighters? They line them up to each other, don't they? They stand there and go. They face each other off. And this morning, this is what the scripture is saying. Face him off. Stand up to him. In faith, not in your own wisdom and all in your own arguments or, 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 or trying to work it out. Faith, because you can't do anything with it. We are to resist him actively, opposing him, standing against him. Do that this morning when the temptation comes. Jesus said to us and reminds us whom we are to fear, okay? So let's spin this around. Who are we to fear this morning? We're not to fear the devil. Yes, be aware of him. But Jesus said we are to fear the judge. Listen what he says in Luke 12, 5. He says, but I show you whom you should fear. Okay? This is speaking to his own people. This isn't speaking to the world. He's speaking to his own people. He's speaking to them who are seeking. He's speaking to the 12. He's speaking to the 70. Those who are not yet believing in him, but listening to him and seeking him, he warns them. He says this. He says, I'll show you whom you shall fear. Fear him who, after the body has been killed, has power, power, authority, to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Who's Jesus talking about? Is he talking about God? No. He's talking about himself. Why? Because it says in John 5, the Father judges no one but has committed all judgment to the Son. Jesus says, fear me in the day that's coming. Wow, this is Jesus in his glory and his power. Not meek and mild, it's Jesus we're talking about here. He is all glorious and all powerful. Fear him. Okay, Jesus meek and mild, soft as a brush. No, Jesus in authority and power has authority to deal with us, every man. Let me just tell you something. Verily I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes in who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. If you listen to him, put your trust in him, you're passing from death and judgment into life eternal. He won't judge you. The hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear him will live. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves shall hear his voice and come forth. 
Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment and condemnation. What powerful words these are. Who is Islam going to face? They're going to be facing the Lord Jesus Christ whom they've belittled and put down. Just a prophet is just nothing. His death on the cross was nothing. It was conjecture, they say. Jesus died for us on the cross and rose again and has all authority and power. And shall come again. And there are three judgments. The judgment of the believer. The judgment of the sheep and the goats, the world. And the final judgments which every man shall face. Hitler himself shall stand before the Lord Jesus Christ at a great white throne. Let me tell you, Revelation 20, 12, 11 to 15. I saw a great throne and then him who sat upon it. This is Jesus. And from his presence, the earth and heaven fled away. And no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne. And the books were opened. Books. There were a few books. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things that were written in the books. You know, God knows everything that we've done. Every action that we've said. Every word we've spoken. Everywhere we've been, everything we've done in secret, he knows it's written down. It's written down on his computer. But the judged according to their deeds, and the sea gave up the dead and that were in it, and the death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds, and death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, and this is a second death, and the lake of fire, and then and if anyone's name was not written in this book of life, they were thrown into the lake of fire. And if you note in verse 10, Satan's already there. And so is the false prophet and the beast. They're already in this lake of fire. They've been judged and they're there. So do not think the notion that the world tells us this is another thing that the world will tell you, that Satan's in control of hell. He's there with his pitchfork and he's red and he's got all the flames around him and he's laughing at us and he's going to pull us into hell. That's not true. He has no authority. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep. He has the authority. And Satan is put there and is suffering there. He's finished. That's what the Bible says. Jesus finished him at the cross. He defeated him by his resurrection. And there is a coming day when it will finally be seen where he's put there but then all the rest are going to be put into that place where he is our great shepherd the Lord Jesus Christ he's the one that has the authority over everyone this morning not Satan he's finished he's done so who are we to fear Christ the Lord Jesus right verse 13 it says this the Lord of hosts is the one that you sh shall regard as holy only he should be feared. Only he should be dreaded. Right. Does that mean that when we... We can't make God holy. He's already holy. He's intrinsically holy. That's his nature. He's set apart different. He's, he's holy. But what it's saying here is that we set him apart in our hearts as special and separate. What does Jesus say? He said in the Lord's Prayer, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we are hallowed in his name. We are setting his name apart. We are glorifying his name. We are saying God is this and great and hallowed and wonderful. Okay, so that's what the believer needs to do. That's what he's saying 
for us to fear God. Fear is not a dread. It's not a fear that is going to beat us and kill us. But it's a fear that honours him. It's a fear that reverences him. May your name be reverenced over all the earth. Hallowed be your name. May we this morning reverence our heavenly father, who he is. There are so many people in this world that belittle God, and they have a sacrilegious attitude towards him. But for us, we are to set him apart and to hallowed his name. And he will be a sanctuary to both houses of Israel and the stone of stumbling and the rock of offence to the dwellers of Jerusalem. A trap and a snare. Many will stumble over these and they will fall and be broken and will be ensnared and captured. Who's this talking about? Well, it's talking about Jesus again. The stone that the builders rejected. Matthew 24, verse 21, 44. And whoever falls on this stone shall be broken. Let's just think about that for a second. What's it mean? Tripping over a stone and you're broken. Tripping over Christ. The world's tripping over him. But it means when we are broken, doesn't mean that we're finished and killed. It means that we're broken in repentance. It means that we are sorry and that we recognise who he is and that we receive him as Lord and Master. But those who trip over him and fall over him, or who he falls on, shall be ground to powder. (laughs) Oh, goodness me. This is eternal consequences. Eternal consequences for our actions and our denial of him and our rejection of him. How many times do we hear the precious name of the Lord Jesus cursed and blasphemed and belittled? While they're tripping over him, friends, they're going to fall, and he's going to fall on them one day. And he's going to crush them to powder. That is serious. Bind up the testimony, seal it amongst my disciples, wait for the Lord, who is our hiding place. Put my trust in him, he says. Listen to Romans 10, 11. All who trust in Christ shall not be ashamed. If you put your trust in Jesus, you shall not be ashamed when you stand before him. When that day comes, people say, oh, well, how, how, how can those have been hit by sharks or burnt or blasted by bombs? How can he call them back? You know, God has got the code. It says that we're fearfully and wonderfully made and he knows it right well and every part of us is written down in his book. That's in, that's in Psalm 139, I think, 130. Talking about us being fearfully created. And we've recently found out about the DNA code, haven't we? And so God could just pull the DNA code back and up you come. There's no escape. But all who have trusted in Christ shall not be ashamed on that day. Here I am and the children the Lord has given me. And may the signs and symbols of his, to Israel, the Lord of hosts dwells in Zion. When men tell you to consult, listen to this now. Let's have a little section on this and a thought about this. When men tell you to consult the spirits of the dead and the spirits who whisper and mutter, shouldn't a people consult their God instead? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? What's he talking about? He's talking about the occult. I'm telling you something now. When believers and Christians and the church, the church as it is, turns away from the authority of God... And stop believing in him, of who he is. They've not set him apart in their heart as holy and sanctified him. Then they start to look 
to the spirit world. What do I mean by the spirit world? Ouija boards. Do not get involved with Ouija boards. You are opening a door. Listen, you're opening a door because when we're all born, demons do not come into your life. But when you, by your free will, give them an opportunity and you open a door through dabbling with the occult, then they will come and attach to you and harass you and cause you nothing but trouble for your life. And sometimes you need prayer to get them off you. Okay? Reading tarot cards, going to fortune tellers, picking up the daily reading and the newspapers and looking, what has Mystic Meg got for me today? Is there a husband for me? Is there a wife for me? People do this and believers get caught up in it. Why? Because they've turned away from trusting in the Lord. And that's what happens to people when they've turned away from the Lord or let God slip. I've seen it so many times that people somehow turn to the occult for wisdom and direction because they're not turning to God anymore. So that's serious and that's something to be thought about. But I want us to be encouraged, not discouraged. We don't want to be fearing what the world fears. We don't want to be caught up in its conspiracies and all that's going on today. Fake news and all the stuff that's going on. God has given us a clear warning. He says, fear me. Put your trust in me. Don't fear what they're fearing. But set me apart in your heart and life. And walk with me and trust me. If not, we're going to end up following the occult. And looking to the world and looking to men. And getting ourselves in deep trouble. Shall we just pray? And maybe this morning we're stumbling over the Lord Jesus. And we have no fear or respect of him. But the Bible tells us that he is the one that we are to fear ultimately. And maybe you have no fear for him this morning. Maybe his name is on your lips as blasphemy and a curse. Every time something goes wrong, it's Jesus Christ. He's nothing to do with it, friends. So let's pray. And maybe you want to repent of that. And maybe you want to turn to the Lord and say, I need him this morning. Lord, we just thank you as we, we are challenged by your word. It was written 700 years before you came. But Lord, it all points to you. You're the, you're the, the rock that men rejected. But Lord, if we, if we are broken by you by repentance, then Lord, we'll be renewed and safe and shall have eternal life with you forever. So Lord, may there be people here listening online or listen to what's said, think about what's being said. There's no pressure here, I'm not a salesman. I just offer you that, that chance to just turn to Jesus and repent and say, I need you, Lord, and I need a proper reverence for you, and I need you in my life and my heart, and I don't want to be judged by you. I want to uh, be with you forever. Ask Jesus, have dealings with him, personal dealings with him. Let him break you. Let him work in your heart and let there be a godly sorrow. Because in breaking, he binds up and heals. In breaking down and wounding, he also restores. But we have to be broken sometimes to be restored because we're full of pride and arrogance and rejection. But this morning... We're going to have to have personal dealings with him one way or the other now or in the day to come.
So Lord, we just pray for anyone who's listening this morning, may they just turn to you in faith and let you work in their lives and, and create faith in their hearts, Lord, that is a gift from the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.